Novel Pairings, a podcast dedicated to making the classics readable, relevant, and fun. Each episode, we'll discuss one classic book and share some recommendations for more contemporary reads that feature similar themes. As two nerdy bookworms, we appreciate the role of classic lit, but we won't get too academic about it. We'll talk about the books we love and the books we loathe, and help stock your TBR with old and new reads for every literary taste. Hey, Chelsea. Hi, Sarah. How are you doing? I'm doing well today. How about you? Yeah, pretty good. We're hanging in there. (laughs) We're hanging in there, and I am so excited about today's episode. Me too. Today, we are about to seriously topple your TBR lists with books to keep you calm and absorbed during the pandemic. Don't worry, just because we talk about a book during this episode doesn't mean that we won't give it its own separate episode. In fact, I think we're going to want to talk about most of these individually at some point. Oh, definitely. But we wanted to make some time to just share books that we think people might enjoy during this very weird, very scary time. And there are lots of different things that make a book comforting or absorbing, so we've got a lot of different types of reads for you today. Yeah, I think just to start, it would be kind of nice to just do a little check-in, like where where are we both at with all of this? How are we feeling and how is it it impacting our reading lives? So what about you, Sarah? Well, today I'm doing pretty well. Um, Yesterday, in terms of recording dates, yesterday was my birthday, which was a little bit weird. It was definitely a roller coaster. (laughs) I had um, probably my low of the week yesterday of just feeling sad about not getting to see friends. And we were supposed to be, my husband and I were supposed to be on vacation this week. And of course that didn't happen. And so just feeling down and sad, but also my high of the week, I think. We got dressed up and ordered delicious food, we ordered lobster rolls, which was extremely (laughs) decadent. And then we had a fancy virtual party with some of our friends. Everyone dressed up and we hung out and it was so delightful. So today I'm feeling optimistic and energized and excited to be talking books with you. Okay. So first, happy late birthday. Thank you. Um, Second, where do you get good lobster rolls in Colorado? (laughs) You're in the middle of the country. It's a great question. Shout out to Main Shack. They're amazing lobster rolls. (laughs) They must get delivery like every day. I don't know. It's probably horrible for the environment and the world, but it's also delicious. And lobster rolls surprisingly travel very well in terms of delivery. Oh, yeah. I'm thinking about all the components of that. And I would think that (laughs) lobster would probably ship well. So um, good for them that they get some good shipments. But of course, like, that's where my brain goes. How exactly (laughs) do you get lobster over there? (laughs) Yes. You know, we live in a very global age, as we're seeing. (laughs) Yes. How are you doing today, Chelsea? I am doing okay. Um, I just had a video call with my husband who is currently deployed, which is a whole weird part of this. Um, But it was really good to see his face and talk to him for a little while. I have realized that I, I do pretty well if I read my local news and I focus on what I can control each day. But then if I 
bop over to CNN or sometimes even NPR or any other news source that's sort of spreading this out and talking about future implications and sort of a wider lens, then that's when I can really spiral and anxiety hits. So I'm trying to avoid that. I will read and pay attention to my local news so that I can be a good neighbor, but otherwise I'm trying to just get into some books that distract me. That's really smart. It's been hard for me to stay focused. I just constantly keep scrolling through Twitter, and of course it's very anxiety-provoking. And as you said, not helpful because there's not a lot I can control. So I think tuning into some good books is a is a great idea. What have you been reading lately to help distract you? My go-to for distraction is romance. And I'm talking like true historical bodice ripper romance. And <laughs> I there are such amazing romance authors writing right now that are doing really interesting things with historicals to bring them sort of up to date and modernize them for the modern woman, um, who is typically the target reader for romance novels. I'm currently reading An Heiress to Remember by Maya Rodale, and this is part of her Gilded Age Girls Club series. So Gilded Age is probably one of my absolute favorite settings for literature. Think Edith Wharton novels and glittery, glamorous New York. It's just a really fun time period to read about. But Maya Rodale's series is about these women who are trying to strike out on their own and start their own businesses. So the first book was about a dressmaker who opened up her own design shop. The second one was about a woman who started her own skincare line. And this one is about a woman who is about to run her family's department store. Um, And she's competing with the department store across the street, which is run by her childhood sweetheart. Oh, amazing. So, (laughs) of course, some sparks are going to fly as the competition heats up. And I think it's just such a fun book. You don't have to read these in order. Um, The third one that I'm currently reading comes out March 31st. So uh, you could download that to your Kindles or order it from... um, I think one of the really good bookstores to support right now for romance is The Ripped Bodice. They do online orders right now. Oh, that's awesome. So, yeah, they're great for romance, and I'm really loving it. It's so much fun. (laughs) That is awesome. What are you reading right now, Sarah? Well, I have been struggling to find real comfort reads. I think I just don't do a great job of really reading summaries before I start a book. I barely even look at the back cover before I just decide to read something. So recently I read Weather by Jenny Offal, which I didn't realize was largely about doomsday prepping. (laughs) (laughs) Luckily it's short and the writing was gorgeous, so I still very much enjoyed it. And then I picked up The Illness Lesson by Claire Beams which I loved. It was so good. It's set in 19th century New England, kind of inspired by the transcendentalist compounds and communes of like that Thoreau and Emerson were part of. And it follows a couple of people who are starting an all-girls school 
trying to prove that girls have the capacity to be educated in the same way that boys do, which of course is a premise that I am all about. And then there's some mass hysteria. (laughs) And I loved it. I love those types of stories, but again, not particularly comforting. I do have one book that I read recently that was just like the perfect comfort read, but I'm going to pair it with a classic. So I'm going to save it to talk about then. So I don't know what I'm going to pick up next. Maybe something that you recommend today. Well, I have some romance recommendations that I would like to push your way, but I have the illness lesson That's what it is, right? The illness lesson? Yes. You just said the title, but I'm so bad at remembering titles. Um, I have that one from the library because it's such an English teacher premise. Oh my gosh. It's so good. But I have to say, listeners, if you are not familiar with how hysteria was treated by doctors in the 19th century, you might be shocked and scandalized by what happens in this book so just maybe look into that first or if you have no trouble reading about disturbing things you can dive right in but I think I I don't know I feel like that's an important warning for this one that's smart to say and also brings up a good point that comfort reads mean something so different for everyone I have friends who (laughs) who know that I love to read and they were texting me, hey, I really need a good mystery or thriller to get lost in right now. And I was like, I have not read one of those in a long time. I'm sorry. (laughs) Ask someone else. Yes, that's so true. This book was, I mean, I wouldn't call it a comfort read, but it was so perfect for me right now because it had this sense of kind of impending doom and also an, an air of mystery trying to figure out what was happening with these girls. And so... I couldn't put it down. And that is really what I needed. So yeah, I think you're so right that comfort reads and and what we're in the mood for during a crazy time like this is going to vary widely. So we're definitely going to offer quite the variety of books today. Yes, we split them up by category. So first, we are just going to go straight for comfort reads, the books that bring us the most comfort and warm, fuzzy feelings when we read them. Yes, you've described this as like a cozy blanket read, and I think that's the perfect way to describe it. So do you want to tell our listeners about our first one? Sure. This is perhaps the ultimate comfort read for both of us, Pride and Prejudice by Jane Austen, which I don't think is going to surprise anybody. No, not at all. (laughs) This is such a great comfort read. It's cozy. I love the characters. I love the community. I love the love story. The writing is exceptional and humorous. It has really everything I want in a comfort read. A big thing for me with this one is the humor and the fact that no matter how many times I read it, I still laugh at the exact same spots every time. And there's something really comforting, not only about laughter, but being able to predict (laughs) what's going to happen and, you know, what's coming up in the next scene. I think that hopeful anticipation is nice, especially when you're going through a time when there's a lot of uncertainty. Being able to read something that is more steady and predictable, I think, is super comforting. 
Absolutely. And even if you haven't read Pride and Prejudice, you've probably seen a movie version or two, and so you have that same hopeful anticipation, the same sense of comfort. And even if you haven't read Pride and Prejudice and you haven't watched a movie version, you probably still know what's going to happen. When I read this book with my students, most of them are totally unfamiliar with the story, and we get to the end and they always say, this ending was so predictable. And I tell them, of course it was predictable because every rom-com is based on Pride and Prejudice. And there's just something really soothing about that. It's so true. I think that's one of the biggest reasons why I turn to romance for my comfort reads in general, because they are predictable. And the really good romance authors are the ones who follow the same pattern where you know that the main couple is going to get together in the end. But you are along for the ride and you really enjoy the characters and are eager to see them together. And even at some moments, think to yourself, oh my goodness, I have no idea how the author is going to make this work, which I think is totally true of Elizabeth and Darcy. There are some dark moments where you're like, how will they ever get together? Oh, absolutely. That's such a good point. And we are not the only ones who think this is the ultimate comfort read. So the Strand Bookstore in New York, they polled their customers and their customers voted that Pride and Prejudice is the ultimate comfort read. So they're actually hosting a read-along right now. They're calling it their Stranded Book Club, which I love. So cute. It's so cute and so perfect. So if you follow them on Instagram at Strand Bookstore, they're going to be hosting little discussions in their stories as they read this one, which I think is pretty cool. I love that they're doing that. And I think Pride and Prejudice is just the absolute perfect book to start with. It is. And of course, this one is so good on audio as well. And while we are major Libro FM supporters over here at Novel Pairings, we have to admit that the Audible version of Pride and Prejudice narrated by Rosamund Pike cannot be beat. It's so good. Agreed. And I personally don't think there's anything wrong with starting an Audible free trial and canceling it just so that you can get Pride and Prejudice. (laughs) I agree. And you can return your Audible books an unlimited number of times and exchange them for something else, which I also don't feel bad doing. So just a helpful tip. They're doing just fine. They're going to make it through this. I think so. (laughs) So what are some contemporary books we could pair with Pride and Prejudice that give us that same cozy feeling? All right. This first one is maybe my ultimate modern romance comfort read. And I say modern in that it was written recently, but it is historical. So my first recommendation is the book that I recommend to anyone who wants to get started with romance. It is The Duchess Deal by Tessa Dare. And Tessa Dare has often been compared to Jane Austen for her wit and her ability to really give insights into society while being super entertaining. And The Duchess Deal is just so much fun. And it's hilarious. So the premise is there's this duke and he is a curmudgeon and he really needs a wife because he needs to produce an heir. That's what dukes do. So one day he's sitting at his desk and he's writing a letter and he's like, oh, I really, 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 really need a wife. 
And then his butler announces, there's someone here to see you, sir. And in walks this woman in a wedding dress. And the Duke is like, oh, that's convenient. (laughs) And it turns out (laughs) that Emma, the dressmaker, is coming to collect her money because she made the dress for his ex-fiance, who has not paid her. So she figured, well, I guess I'm going to go to the groom. I need to get paid. This is my living. So she shows up and she's like, hey, you've got to pay me for this dress. And he goes, I have a better idea. How about you (laughs) marry me? (laughs) And of course, there is a little bit more to it than that. But Emma is like, well, this is weird, but there are very few opportunities for women of my station in life. And me being a duchess could mean that I could really help other people. So she does it. And of course, throughout the course of their marriage, they fall in love. And it's so funny and sweet. And uh, actually, today, as of now, when this episode releases, my husband and I have a different podcast called He Read, She Read. And we recorded a discussion episode on the Duchess deal because he read it spoiler loved it (laughs) and so we are talking about it over there so if anyone wants to listen into that or pick it up and then listen there's some extra quarantine content for you that's awesome and my digital library hold just came in for this one so i am hoping to read it before i listen to your episode your discussion with curtis i'm so excited to hear what you think of it so My pairing for Pride and Prejudice is the comfort read I mentioned earlier, the one comfort read I found, which is Red, White, and Royal Blue by Casey McQuiston. And this is a book I received from the publisher over the summer. I got an early copy, and I'd heard great, amazing, wonderful things about this book. And I was like, you know, I'm just going to put this on hold and save it for when I really need it, because I can tell it's going to be adorable and sweet. So I saved it and then I picked it up this week and it was everything I wanted and so much more. It would it far exceeded my expectations. I was expecting it to be cute and sweet and it was, but it also was really funny and smart and just the perfect escapist read. So the premise is we have Alex. He is the first son of the United States. His mother is the first woman president. She was elected after Barack Obama. This is like an alternate history, a very cozy alternate history. (laughs) I was going to say that sounds so comforting. (laughs) It's incredibly comforting. And Alex is very ambitious and driven and is a really funny character to follow And he has always really detested Prince Henry, the youngest prince of England, because Henry has just been a snob and aloof every time Alex has had to spend any time with him doing, you know, important international relation things. (laughs) So Alex is attending a royal wedding. It's Henry's brother's wedding. And he and Henry have a little altercation and they end up tumbling into the $75,000 wedding cake which causes a big issue, not just between the royal family and the first family, but in the press. The press starts saying that these two have a long-standing history of, of hating each other. So Alex then has to pretend 
to be best friends with Prince Henry in order to get the media back on their side. So in all of this pretending to be best friends, they do become best friends and then they become more than best friends and it's so adorable and kind of steamy, definitely sexy. There's a like long sort of smoldering, simmering romance between these two. It's open door, but this is also billed as not YA, but like new adult. So it's not super graphic or anything like that. I just thought it was fantastic. I'm, I'm so impressed with this book and so glad I read it. It's an ideal comfort read for right now. I've been saving it for a beach read, like a good summer read, but I might have to pick it up sooner. It sounds just so cute. It is. And it's not just, you know, not just the lovely romance element, but like the whole world that she creates is just a world of good people doing good by each other. And it's just exactly what I wanted to read. I love that. Uh, You brought up a good point, too, that with romance, open door means that there are sexy, steamy scenes on the page, and closed door means everything happens off the page, like it's implied, but nothing is written out. But even within those two definitions, there's so much, I don't know, gray area, and it's so subjective as to what someone considers really, really five alarm steamy compared to just, you know, a little bit of steam. So I think Goodreads reviews are always good to check out if you're more sensitive to that content. So just keep that in mind as we recommend some romances. Yeah, that's a really helpful reminder. I'm sure we could both recommend a million pairings for Pride and Prejudice, but should we quickly throw out a few more before we move on? Yes, uh, really quick. Adriana Herrera has a really fabulous series that I've been getting into. This is also romance. Her series is American Dreamers. And one of the books is American Love Story. And it is about a district attorney and a Black Lives Matter activist who, by all accounts on paper, have no business being together or falling in love. But somehow, of course, they make it work. And so I think that that's sort of along the lines of Pride and Prejudice, where it's two people who come from very different worlds and then end up falling in love. What do you have on your list? The Hating Game by Sally Thorne is a very steamy enemies to lovers romance, and it's set in a publishing house. So it also definitely caters to book lovers. And then also Death Comes to Pemberley by P.D. James not a romance, totally different. This is basically a sequel to Pride and Prejudice written by the prolific British mystery author P.D. James. Death Comes to Pemberley takes place after Elizabeth and Darcy are married. They have a couple of kids, I think, and then someone is murdered on their property and they have to figure out what happened and who did it. And I think P.D. James does a really good job developing these characters into their marriage. And there's also a great miniseries adaptation of Death Comes to Pemberley, which is available on Amazon. I loved that series. So well done. I think, is Matthew Reese Darcy in that one? He is. And he's really good. He's very good. I thought he was a great Darcy. I wouldn't have picked him, but he did a great job. 
The other comfort watch that we would recommend along with this is, of course, the 1995 BBC Pride and Prejudice. Of course. Yes. And that is streaming on Hulu right now. So that is something to definitely put on your list. Also, Jennifer L. has been reading Pride and Prejudice on her Instagram stories or on IGTV. Oh, yes. I forgot about that. She played Elizabeth Bennett in the 1995 BBC version. I tuned in just for a little bit and honestly use it as a meditation for three minutes just to listen to her (laughs) reading. You don't have to listen to the whole thing. It's just very soothing. That's awesome. Yeah. See, everyone agrees. Pride and Prejudice, the ultimate comfort read. (laughs) All right. So still in the category of comfort reads, what is our next book, Sarah? Anne of Green Gables by L.M. Montgomery is a wonderful and comforting read. It's the story of Anne Shirley, this very romantic and imaginative orphan girl who is taken in by Matthew and Marilla Cuthbert, and Anne warms their hearts and opens their minds, and she warms our hearts too as we read. It's just a sweet story about friendship and imagination and growing up and it's really delightful. I love this book so much and every time that I read it as an adult I learn something new just about myself or just a really valuable life lesson and reminder. So one of the things that I love so much about Anne is that she makes a lot of mistakes but it always turns out okay. And I think that's always so comforting to read. That's something that we don't often get. That's so true. That's a really good way to put that. What contemporary book would you pair with this? I feel like there are a lot of books that could fit the tone of Anne of Green Gables. And probably a lot of middle grade books that would do this a lot better. But something that I really love is Anne's imagination and her flights of fancy So a book that I listened to on audio recently and really enjoyed was Little Weirds by Jenny Slate. And this is a collection of little vignettes, almost like short stories and poetry, just writings and musings. They have a very poetic bent to them. And Jenny Slate wrote it after a divorce and going through a tough period in her life. And I mean, it according to her, really helped her sort of come out of that to connect to that creativity. And I just think that it reminds me of Anne in that it's really whimsical, but there are also some darker moments. And it just, I could totally see Anne enjoying the book a lot. And I think she and Jenny Slate could get along really well. I love that. Finding contemporary books that classic characters would enjoy is really fun. Yeah. And it's, it's really good on audio. So I think if you need a good distraction and something that it it made my brain happy because the way that Jenny Slate used imagery was really unique. And yeah, I guess that's the way I would put it. It just made my brain happy to listen to and encounter some really unique writing. What would you pair with Anne of Green Gables, Sarah? Well, one of my favorite parts of Anne of Green Gables is Anne's relationship with Matthew and mostly Matthew, but Matthew and Marilla and how their 
friends almost before their family and they teach each other so much and so I picked News of the World by Paulette Giles. It's a western. It takes place in post-Civil War Texas. It's about this man named Jefferson Kidd. He served in the war and now his job is to travel around Texas and read newspapers to communities either because people in these communities couldn't read or just didn't have access to the news and so he travels around and informs them and because he travels so much he is tasked with returning a young girl named Johanna who had been kidnapped from her family and returning her to her family and the relationship that develops between the two of them is so sweet he's very protective of her but she kind of opens his mind a lot and it's really lovely and I think if you enjoy that element of Anne of Green Gables you would really like this one. The writing is pretty and it's very short, which also makes for a nice comforting. I love that. I think that Anne's relationship with Matthew is just the sweetest and I love it so much. That sounds so good. Yeah. Another classic that I think goes well and has a similar tone to Anne of Green Gables is I Capture the Castle by Dodie Smith. Dodie Smith is famous for writing 101 Dalmatians. (laughs) This is, I think, her only other book. But it's kind of like a classic young adult novel. It is about a teenage girl. I think maybe she's 16 in the book. She lives, her name's Cassandra, and she lives in a crumbling literal castle with her very eccentric writer father, her stepmother, and her sister Rose. And Cassandra has been pretty isolated for most of her life, but she wants to be a writer like her father. And so the book is told all through her journals. And it mostly spans a single summer when she and Rose meet these two American boys and they both experience love for the first time. And it's really a sweet coming of age story. It's also a lot about family and sisterhood and what it means to be part of a family and what we owe each other. It's a really sweet book, and there's also a great movie version with Ramola Garay, who we both love from the BBC Emma. That one sounds so good. I think it sounds familiar to me, but I might be confusing it with some other books that I read around middle school time, but I like the sound of it. Yeah, it's a good one. It's it's long-ish, and so it's, but it's an easy read, so... You can really settle into it and enjoy it and get kind of swept away. And I think it pairs well with a lot of good contemporary young adult that features imaginative, creative girls, like To All the Boys I've Loved Before by Jenny Han. I talked about that a little bit more in our Emma episode, so I won't go really into depth here, but that first love element, of course, is a big part of Jenny Han's books. And I also think I Capture the Castle pairs really well with Fangirl by Rainbow Rowell. I love Fangirl. It's about Kath, a university student who writes fan fiction and is kind of a a little bit of a wallflower when she starts out at college. She spends most of her time in her dorm room writing her fan fiction and throughout the course of the book she meets a boy she really likes and she also develops some new friendships that she didn't expect to find and it's delightful to see Kath coming of age 
throughout this book. I really enjoy fangirl. And fun side story, when I was doing my student teaching in Minneapolis several years ago, the school district where I taught, I think, or a neighboring school district, was trying to ban Eleanor and Park for language. What? Yeah. Um, But what that meant, in a good turn of events, (laughs) was it meant that Rainbow Rowell was in Minneapolis quite a bit to talk about her books. So I have all of my Rainbow Rowell books signed and I met her twice during that time when she kept coming to Minneapolis to visit. Oh, that is so cool. I mean, I think you could probably say that any of her books would make for good comfort reading. Definitely. All right. Our next category is Cozy Communities. And we know this is something that a lot of people enjoy in their books and their television. Think Gilmore Girls, like Stars Hollow, just being immersed in this delightful little community that you just want to move in and be a part of. Every day when I eat my lunch, as I'm working from home, like most of us, I watch an episode of Gilmore Girls. I love it. It centers me. It centers me. (laughs) That is highly recommend. (laughs) Love it. So there are definitely classics that have that kind of cozy community feel. I can't say I would recommend them for every reader, mostly because a lot of books that ha- that feature that, at least classic books that feature that kind of community, are long. So, of course, Middlemarch by George Eliot is fantastic. It's a really in-depth look at a fascinating community. Its main protagonist I don't even know if she's the main protagonist, she's just who I like most, is Dorothea Brooks, who's a really smart, fiery young woman who has to figure out how to channel her intelligence in a time and place where there weren't a lot of options for her. It's a wonderful book, but it's very, very long. And so if you are in the mood for a lengthy book because you have a little bit more time on your hands... This is a great one. The chapters are short. You can parcel it out over a long period of time. It's also fantastic on audio. It's probably over 30 hours on audio. So if you want something to listen to while you're going for a walk or cleaning your house or whatnot, this could be a good one. Cranford by Elizabeth Gaskell is another classic about a cozy community and it's definitely a little bit more lighthearted than Middlemarch. It's supposed to be kind of farcical, and it definitely is funny. If you Sometimes I think if you know a book is supposed to be funny going in, you can pick up on the humor a little bit more. Sometimes that's hard with classic lit. This one's also great because it's episodic in nature, so each chapter is like one specific event. So it feels like watching television almost, where you're like, You get kind of beginning, middle, and end of a story in every chapter, but then, of course, the whole thing connects. I have a copy of Cranford from a used bookstore. I probably got it a year ago or so, and it's just been sitting there. But it sounds like a good cozy read for right now, so maybe I'll have to pick it up sooner rather than later. It is. I read it in a class called The Other Victorians in grad school, and this class was all about showing us how... The Victorians weren't all prude and proper and stuffy and that they were like weird and funny and all of that. And so I think 
the context helped me with really loving Cranford. But yeah, it's a good read. I enjoy it. What are some pairings that you would fit with these cozy communities? Marilyn Robinson's Gilead series is wonderful. It starts with the book called Gilead, and then I think the second one is called Home, and the third one is Lila. I might be wrong about the second one, so forgive me if that's the incorrect title, but this is a book about a lovely faith-filled community. It mostly follows a small town pastor and his family and his parishioners. I don't read a lot of books about faith, but I loved this one because it's as much as it's about faith in a higher power, it's also about faith in each other and doing the best things for the people around us and making sacrifices for each other. And so it's kind of a we're all in this together type of book, which feels appropriate for right now. Of the three in this little trilogy, Lila is by far my favorite. And I actually read Lila first, not realizing it was part of a trilogy and then went back. And I think that's fine. I, I think probably it makes the most sense to read them in order. But if you just want to choose one, I'd go with Lila. The next one is the Guernsey Literary and Potato Peel Pie Society by Marianne Schaefer. This book is so good. I don't know what took me so long to find this book. It's right up my alley. So Guernsey is an epistolary novel, which I really like that format. I know that it bugs some people, but I would say if you think it's not for you, this is like the epistolary novel to try because it's so easy to read. It's so good. And one thing that annoys me about some epistolary novels is I just don't think people would write letters like that or write those things in their journals. And this one feels much more authentic. Like it feels like the type of letters people maybe would write to each other. Yeah, and the letters are really important to the plot. Yes. So I just really like the format, but the characters are really sweet. So it's about this author who's corresponding to this little, basically, book club on the little island of Guernsey. This Guernsey Island's book club helped each other get through some really tough times. This is World War II setting, and... It's like you said before, where it's we're all in this together, people being really kind to each other, finding community in odd places, and banding together, and I really love that aspect of this book. This book is so delightful, and the movie is really good too, and it's available on Netflix. Such a good adaptation, and even if you haven't read the book, if you want to watch the movie, it's just like pretty people being pretty. <laughs> <laughs> In a beautiful place, too. Yes, in a beautiful setting. (laughs) Yeah, it's so good. A couple other TV shows that might fit this. There's a show on Amazon Prime called Dr. Thorne. And this is also based on a book. But it's got that kind of like British society. People visit each other from the town kind of feeling to it. And then... I think that Downton Abbey would fit this category really well because you have obviously the upstairs family and their friends and then you have this really sweet community in among the downstairs staff and just in general I think the episodic nature of Cranford is very similar to Downton Abbey where 
you can very easily just parse out your episodes and watch one episode per night and feel really cozy about it. I find this category of book and show so delightfully comforting and I know a lot of people do too so I will definitely be returning to some of my favorites from this category soon. All right up next we have some page turners and I'm excited about these because I think this is the rare type of classic that a lot of people are looking for. It's a classic that's not going to feel like you're reading it for school and it's not going to feel like a slog. It's something that you want to sit down and binge read. Yes, rare for a classic, but they do exist. So one page-turning classic that I really love is Passing by Nella Larson. This is a Harlem Renaissance novel. It takes place in New York in the 1920s. There are two women, Claire and Irene. They grew up together, but they haven't seen each other in quite some time, and they meet back up as adults. Both Claire and Irene are African-American, but they can both pass as white. Claire is married to a white man, and she's passing as white, and her husband isn't aware of who she really is. And her husband is a huge jerk. Definitely the villain of the novel. Irene is living a comfortable middle-class life with her husband and son, and she's much more integrated into the black community in Harlem. And Claire is, is a little bit jealous of that and maybe wishes that she hadn't made the choices she had. This book is so interesting. I love seeing that there are consistently new editions coming out for this one. I think that that puts it a little bit more in the public eye. So Penguin Classics specifically has been really good about doing that. And it's really short too, which I think helps. Yes, it's like 200 pages. It's super short, a very quick read. Two books that I think pair well with this. One is The Other Typist by Suzanne Rindell. It's contemporary, but it's set in the 1920s as well. It's about a young woman named Rose who's a typist at a police precinct. And then the precinct hires a second typist named Odalie, who's very glamorous and wealthy and lives this lifestyle that Rose is quite jealous of. And the two become, again, completely obsessed with each other. It's kind of that obsessive female friendship trope that I really enjoy reading. It's almost a thriller, and it's really, really good. Kira Knightley bought the movie rights, but I haven't heard anything about that since she bought them, so maybe one day we'll get a movie version of The Other Typist. We're supposed to get a movie version of Passing, too. I know yes. Tessa Thompson was cast, but since then, I haven't heard anything about that either. IMDb still says that it's supposed to come out in 2020, but who knows? Maybe not now. <laughs> <laughs> Sadly, no, but Make sure you read Passing so that you're ready for the movie when it does come out. Also for Passing, a good pairing would be You Are Not Alone by Greer Hendricks and Sarah Pekinen. Another thriller, a kind of female friendship-focused thriller. This one has been all over, so I won't go into depth on it. But I'm picky about thrillers, and I really liked this one. So there you go. Well, I will start recommending that one to my friends who are looking for thrillers. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> What's a page-turning classic that you love? One of my favorites is Rebecca by Daphne du Maurier. 
so good. This is one of my favorites too. It's a classic suspense novel. I think it's really page turning and also the descriptions are beautiful. And I mean, Manderley isn't really a place that you would want to live after reading this book, <laughs> but it's a nice place to escape to for a while. And it's it's creepy. It's very classic domestic suspense. You're suspicious of everyone. There's an unreliable narrator. And I just think it's such fun. And it's another one where I think if people are trying to get into classics, this is one of the first ones I would recommend to people. I've heard it's really good on audio. I have not listened to it to verify, but my sources say that it's a good one to listen to. So yeah, I highly recommend Rebecca. Yes, I second that. It's so good. So what would you like to pair with this one? I think The Likeness by Tana French is a great pairing for this one for a lot of reasons. First of all, the tone, it's kind of gothic and eerie. So the premise is, takes place in Ireland, and Cassie is a detective, and she has been assigned to off the murder squad following some events that happened in a previous novel, but you don't have to read these in order. And a body is found, and... It looks just like Cassie. And so rather than announce the news of this unknown woman's murder and start investigating that, they the detectives claim it was just an attack, an attempted murder, and they send Cassie in to pretend to be this woman and live in her house with her flatmates who are a weird group of very passionate, intense people. And just like in Rebecca, the house plays a huge role in the story. It's got a kind of haunted feel. You know it's not haunted, but you can't help kind of wonder what's really going on in this house. It's so good. I don't read a ton of mystery procedurals, but I really thought this one was very well done. Tana French is the queen of mystery. She is an amazingly talented writer. And this book, well, all of Tana French's books are very tense. Yes, tense is the perfect word to describe the likeness. Also, the opening lines of the likeness very much mirror the opening lines of Rebecca, which I think is so fun. Yeah, I think Tana French must have had Rebecca in mind when she wrote this. I think so, for sure. What would you pair with Rebecca? Another very Rebecca-like book is The Death of Mrs. Westaway by Ruth Ware. I really like Ruth Ware's mysteries. She's written quite a few. One notable one that I enjoyed was The Woman in Cabin 10. So some of these are kind of Agatha Christie-like. But The Death of Mrs. Westaway is similar to Rebecca in that there is this sort of haunted house. There's a really creepy housekeeper and the main character, we can't quite decide if they are reliable or not. I listened to this one on audio and I really enjoyed it. I think really any of Ruth Ware's books would fit this category, but The Death of Miss, Mrs. Westway specifically is very, very similar to Rebecca. Almost you can very much see the influence and in how it's inspired by it. Yeah, and I, I think we should say that Rebecca is one of those books, too, that clearly has inspired many, many writers in terms of 
tone and themes and all of that, but it's also inspired some straight retellings. So Elena by Rachel Paston is a Rebecca retelling set in a contemporary art gallery. And The Winters by Lisa Gabriel is another new retelling of Rebecca and Annie B. Jones of The Bookshelf and of the From the Front Porch podcast. She liked The Winters more than she liked Rebecca. So if you like classics and you like or you just like retellings, maybe try out one of those. And I think there's going to be a new Netflix version of Rebecca. Oh, yeah, that's right. I forgot about that, but I'm excited. There have been other, so there is an old version of Rebecca, which I actually really like. Me too. The Hitchcock version is so good. It won the Oscar for Best Picture when it came out. Yeah, I really like that one, so I'm eager to see what they do with it, but oh, so good. So good. If you want a very bingeable, classic-ish mystery series, I love the modernized Sherlock with Benedict Cumberbatch. I think it's such a good show, and it's very cozy watching. Yes, I love that one too, and it's been a while since I've seen it, so it might be time for a rewatch for me. Our next category. This one is for people who are really looking for a giant book that they can pretty much stretch for however long this quarantine lasts. (laughs) Yes. So I think that here's the thing. I am not typically drawn to big books. How do you feel about giant tomes? I tend to avoid them because there are so many things that I want to read. But usually when I make the time to read a big book, it becomes a favorite because I do love spending a lot of time with characters who I love and seeing a story get more complicated and more stretched out. So I I do really enjoy them when I pick them up. It's just rare for me to do that. That makes sense. What is one of your absolute favorites? I think my absolute favorite big classic is Les Miserables by Victor Hugo. I was such a nerd and I read this when I was in the eighth grade, which now I like can't even believe, (laughs) but I've read it multiple times since then. And I just love all of the characters and how Hugo brings the French Revolution to life through accounts from very overlooked people who would have been involved in the French Revolution. So not just the soldiers and the captains, but how this affected the poor and the marginalized. And I love that. And there's a lot of, well, not a lot. There's a little bit of romance in this book. And the characters are just, they're so good. They're characters you really want to root for. I do recommend if you decide to pick up Les Mis, definitely get the abridged version You will not be missing anything if you get the abridged version. It's still chunky. It's like over 600 pages. The unabridged is closer to a thousand. And the abridged just takes out things like, you know, the 30 pages about the Parisian sewer system. And unless you really want to read that, (laughs) (laughs) which more power to you if you do, get the abridged. Is there a video version of this that you really like? I know that there's a movie musical that was made, but there was a recent, I think it was on PBS. There was a recent adaptation. 
I haven't seen it, but I did just check before we recorded, and it is streaming for free on PBS. It's a 2019 masterpiece version with Lily Collins. It looks good. I might check it out. I'm probably not going to be rereading Les Mis during this quarantine, but I could go for a movie version. What would you pair with this big book? I'd pair The Heart's Invisible Furies by John Boyne. And if you're going to choose one big book to read over the quarantine, choose this one. (laughs) It's so fantastic. It follows Cyril Avery over the course of his whole life, starting actually before he was born with his mother who is basically banished by her family and her community for getting pregnant without being married. And it's set in Ireland. And so we see some political unrest and some unrest about the Catholic Church and its response to things like unwed mothers and homosexuality. And because the book takes place over many decades we really get to see the characters particularly Cyril himself grow and change and make horrible decisions and be redeemed and fall in love and get hurt and heartbroken and it's so beautiful it's also hilarious I don't know how John Boyne managed the tone of this book but it is both heartbreaking and laugh out loud funny it's so good and it's really really wonderful on audio so I don't have any chunky classics to recommend but if you are a big fan of following characters over a very extended period of time I think that one other show to watch would be Poldark which is also a PBS series and is based on books I have not read the books but I did like the first couple of seasons of the show and I think I'm going to spend this time catching up on it and then I really really love the Outlander series by Diana Gabaldon I am currently reading the fifth book the fiery cross me too I've been in the middle of it for probably a year though (laughs) I like that you can set those books down and it's okay if you forget a little bit what happened you can pick up really easily in the middle but the TV show is really good too. And you can watch the first few seasons on Netflix and then you can finish the rest on Stars. And yeah, I really enjoy it. I think it feels like a classic. I think it probably will be considered a classic because I think that the first book came out in the early 90s, maybe? That sounds right. So, you know, give it a few more years and I think Outlander could be counted as a modern classic. And yeah, it just fits really well with all of these very moody British dramas that sort of go with that cozy classics feeling that we're recommending here. Totally. It feels like a classic, but we get Claire's modern lens on life. And so it's fun and a little bit sassy. And I love that. I also love that Claire is super introverted. And so something about... (laughs) the past is that it's a lot harder to be an introvert when you (laughs) are constantly having to invite more people over to be polite or go out and take care of people in a different way, be on the battlefield or be in French court. There are just a lot of different places where it's really interesting to watch her personality shine through. And 
she's just a character that I really, really see myself in a lot. And there's something comforting about that as well. I agree. And that really bridges us well into our next category, which is escapist reads, because I'd also count Outlander as a good bit of escapism. So what's a an escapist classic that you love? One of my favorites is The Wonderful Wizard of Oz by L. Frank Baum. I've and, never read it. Oh gosh, I think it's so I think it's so worth reading. I actually read like the entire series. There are many books in this series, this Oz series that he wrote, and I read a a ton of them when I was little from the library. So I think there's that element of nostalgia for me where I can almost still smell the vintage copy of The Wizard of Oz from the library that I rented when I was little. Oh, I love that. And it's also one of my favorite movies. It's a good one. And so I I like it because you get to just completely travel to another world. There are things that happen and problems to solve, but it all sort of feels low stakes because it's a children's book but I just think there's something so comforting and cozy about it and the book is so different from the classic film and there are so many different scenes and things to add that it's just a really fun read and Anne Hathaway narrates a really good audible version oh nice I'll have to look into that and what would you pair with it A totally escapist series that I really enjoyed was A Court of Thorns and Roses by (laughs) Sarah J. Mass. And I liked this. It's not like one of my favorite series. It's just completely bingeable. It's loosely based on Beauty and the Beast, but Farah basically gets kidnapped for killing this beast but it was actually a fairy and she gets stolen away to a completely other world and she has to navigate this new world and learn their way of doing things and sort of find her place in it and I I sort of see some Dorothy vibes with her where she is on this journey and she would like to get back home but she doesn't really know how she can And it's also, it's quite sexy as well. So it's maybe older young adult fantasy. And it's, it's like a soap opera. It's just juicy and bingeable. Yes, I agree. It is very sexy. It's like, I wouldn't even put this in the YA category, but I think I read it in a weird, through a weird lens because one of my students recommended this series to me and I will read literally anything a student recommends to me because I just think it's great that they're telling me what books to read. So I read it and I was like, um, I you know, the first like sexy scene came up and I was like, oh my gosh. And then I was like, oh, oh my gosh. Like this is, I was blushing so hard. And then when my student asked if I had read it. I just lied and said no because I didn't want to talk to her about it. <laughs> oh, that's but so it cute. is very bingeable and super I, fun. I listened to the whole series on audio as well. Nice. I keep bringing up audiobooks because, frankly, that's like 90% of my reading life right now because I can listen to an audiobook while I walk my dog, but I'm just struggling to actually read a physical book. 
Oh, totally. I think a lot of people are there. So I think that's great for to give as many audio recommendations as we can. Um, I think in the same vein, in terms of escapist classics, Alice's Adventures in Wonderland. I really love this one. I think it's so funny. I love all the wordplay. I would not recommend this one on audio, actually, just because I think sometimes you have to see the language on the page to get the jokes that Lewis Carroll is making. And then for pairings, number one would be Nevermore by Jessica Townsend. It's a middle grade book. It has definitely Wizard of Oz, Alice in Wonderland, Harry Potter vibes for sure. Townsend is working in all of those elements and she is doing it so well. This book is so comforting and imaginative and this might be the first book I've read since reading Harry Potter as a child that I was like, oh, I want to live in this world, this magical world. I want to taste everything that you're eating and see everything that you're seeing. It's so sweet. And then for a much more grown-up version of that same feeling, The Magicians by Lev Grossman. And this has been called Harry Potter for grown-ups. And I, I think that's a good way to describe it. The Magicians is about a magic college. So instead of being young students, we have adults who are finding out that they're magicians and learning how to do magic. This one is pretty dark, but Grossman is a beautiful writer and everything, all of the descriptions of this magical world are really lovely. And he also weaves in a lot of references or allusions to the Narnia books. And so if you grew up reading Narnia or Harry Potter, you might enjoy The Magicians. Just be aware, it it is dark and bad things happen to the characters. He's kind of exploring what if Harry Potter and Narnia were real and kids who were obsessed with them actually got to live them out. And some of that's good and some of that's bad. I listened to this one, the whole trilogy on audio, and it was fantastic on audio. I have heard really good things about the TV series as well. And I think that the first few seasons might be on Netflix. Yes, they are. And the TV series is good. I have, I'm not caught up. I think I've watched the first two seasons. It is a little bit more, not lighthearted, but it is funnier than the book. It tries to alleviate some of those dark moments, which I really appreciate. I think that the show is great. There are sometimes musical episodes and they're amazing. There's one where the whole cast sings One Day More from Les Mis, so there's a Les Mis connection <laughs> for you too. I think I might have to get back into that one. I think I watched the first season and then just sort of, you know, started watching other stuff, but that sounds like a good binge yeah. watch. I think one of the main actresses is not particularly good, and so that was hard for me at first, but ultimately I, I got over it. Also, one more escapist classic is Like Water for Chocolate by Laura Esquivel. This book is so good. It's a romance. It is set in Mexico. It's about a young girl named Tita who falls in love, but she is not the favored daughter in her family, and so she's not allowed to marry the man she loves. Her sister gets to marry the man she loves, and Tita has to live with them and help their family with child rearing and cooking and all of that. And it's very hard for her, but it, it's ultimately a very hopeful and beautiful novel. 
there's magical realism, and there are recipes sprinkled throughout this whole book for very comforting foods, including a Mexican hot chocolate recipe that I've been dying to try since I read this book. So that one is delightful. And I'd say for a pairing, The Night Circus by Erin Morgenstern is another magical romance that is total escapist reading. I actually pulled this off of my shelves recently because I think I might reread it soon. I love the infusion of magic. I think we could all use a dose of that right now. Okay, our next category is comedies. And a caveat that humor is contextual, so sometimes it's hard to get the humor in classic books. But we're going to try our best to pick some funny classics for you all. And Chelsea, I think the one you're going to talk about is the very best of the best. This is my favorite play of all time, period. That's awesome. I also think it lends itself really well to reading almost like it's a story. I agree. The humor comes across really well written out because there are a ton of puns and a lot of wordplay. And so obviously it's really funny when you can see it, but I actually think that reading it is such a special experience too. And I don't think that you get that very often with plays. That's so true. But I am talking about The Importance of Being Earnest by Oscar Wilde. And this is a completely farcical comedy. It's hilarious. There is a lot of confusion and there is deception. There are some really great scenes between characters that are just really witty and sassy. If you like wordplay and silliness... I highly recommend reading it. It's just so much fun. I go back to reading it whenever I need something light and funny and laugh out loud. Hilarious. And what would you pair with this? All right. This is not particularly based on any plot comparisons whatsoever. Maybe time period a little bit, but just the humor and the way that the series makes me laugh. I am obsessed with the Lady Hardcastle mysteries. The very first one is A Quiet Life in the Country by T.E. Kinsey. And this is about Lady Hardcastle and her companion, Flo. (laughs) (laughs) They are so snappy and witty with each other. And they end up sort of bumbling into mysteries. The backstory is that they were actually spies and and did all of this worldwide espionage before settling down for a quiet life in the country. And I just think the humor and dialogue in these books is so fun. I have to say, definitely, definitely listen to them on audio because the performance is excellent and I think all of the humor just comes across so much better. I have also listened to the first one on audio, and I loved it so much. I think that I might download it and listen to it again because it is also very comforting and cozy in that it's a mystery, but it is truly a romp. Like, you're not worrying about people's safety. You're just waiting for the next laugh. The characters are really endearing. They end up actually this one would work really well for cozy communities too because they end up making friends with all of the people in the village and so 
there is just this really fun cast of characters. I just cannot recommend this series enough, particularly if you need a cozy, comforting mystery series. I second that. It's so good. One funny classic that I really love, this is also a big book, so it would fit that category as well, is Vanity Fair by William Thackeray. It is about Becky Sharp, who is a social climbing orphan, but it's not a like Jane Austen sort of quiet, gentle orphan with a heart of gold kind of thing. (laughs) Becky Sharp knows what she wants and she knows how to get it and she manipulates everyone around her to achieve what she wants to. And it's really funny, like really, really funny. (laughs) I will say if you are going to read this one, you must get a version that has Thackeray's original illustrations in it because they help you get the humor. They're like these hilarious cartoons with really ironic captions and you're like, oh, okay, I get the tone that he's going for in this scene. So it's really fun. I have not seen the Reese Witherspoon adaptation, but the reason I didn't watch it was the trailer made it seem like it was very serious adaptation. And to me, this book isn't serious. And I don't know, maybe the adaptation is actually good, but that's why I I never saw it. And I'd pair What Alice Forgot by Leanne Moriarty with this because it just has a similar sort of, we're talking about serious things, but we're making them funny kind of tone and all of Leanne Moriarty's books are like that so really any of them could pair with this but what Alice forgot is my favorite it's about a woman who is approaching 40 I I believe and she is at a spin class and she falls off her bike and she hits her head and when she gets up she can't remember the last 10 years of her life so as far as she remembers she's a newlywed who is deeply in love with her husband and thinking about planning for a family. But where she actually is in life is she has two kids and she's going through a divorce. And so we see Alice navigate what she remembers and what she's forgotten and what's actually going on in her life. And it's both really funny, but also just a really good examination of the little things that can happen in a relationship to to make it start to disintegrate. And it's a good reminder, I think, of how to be a good partner and pay attention to to the people you love. All right, so our final category. Sometimes we think it's helpful to read outside of yourself during times when it's easy to feel really down or kind of consumed about what's going on in my own life. Sometimes I like to read a good piece of nonfiction or just something that makes me think beyond my day-to-day situation. So we're going to give some some books that make you think outside of yourself. Yeah, these are books that give some much-needed perspective. And I would say that these authors, their strength is being able to speak truth in a really clear way that I find really comforting. They get to the heart of it right away. And I really like that voice and style, particularly in times of stress. And then I just find a lot of these authors and their books so compelling. And even though a lot of these are nonfiction, or all of these are nonfiction, I I found them all really page turning too. I agree. 
What is your first book like this? This is one of my all-time favorites, The Fire Next Time by James Baldwin, which is actually a really long essay. So it's very short. You could very easily sit and read it in one sitting. And like the epitome of speaking clear truths with a really distinctive voice. Baldwin's father was a preacher and you can just really hear that rhythm and that sermon-like quality in this essay. And he just really tells it like it is in terms of race relations in America and what it is like to be an African-American man and it's just so, so good. I really love this book. It's wonderful. The first one that I would pair with The Fire Next Time is Trick Mirror by Gia Tolentino. And this might seem like kind of an odd pairing because a lot of her essays are sort of dissecting pop culture and, I mean, a lot of like millennial culture. So she's not exactly getting to the heart of race relations, but she is making some really smart, incisive points about society, and I just thought that her voice was really compelling, and this collection of essays completely sucked me in, and I couldn't stop turning the pages. I agree. I loved this one so much. I listened to this on audio. It was great on audio. Gia Tolentino reads it herself. My husband also recently read this one, and he loved it as well. So I think, really, it appeals to a wide range of readers. I also recently listened to Here For It by R. Eric Thomas on audio, and this is a memoir in essays. Definitely more of a pop culture bent, but oh my goodness. So this one does not necessarily relate to the tone of the fire next time in that R. Eric Thomas is very funny, but humor is the way that he exposes truth. And I just think James Baldwin does such a good job of exposing truth and getting to the heart of the matter. And I thought that our Eric Thomas did in his memoir as well, where, you know, he might make a joke and say something that's kind of funny, but then you stop and think like, oh my goodness, yes, that's so true and so correct. And so I highly recommend that memoir and essays on audio, particularly now because it's funny. I found it really comforting. I just think it's a really good book for the moment. I think I'm going to download that from Libro as my next next listen. Yeah, that's a good one. I think you're really going to like it. In terms of content to watch, If Beale Street Could Talk is a book by James Baldwin and also really, really love that book. And there is a fabulous film adaptation of it streaming on Hulu currently and it is a sad but hopeful movie. I really think it's just so beautifully done. The soundtrack is really good. I actually listen to the soundtrack a lot when I'm getting work done and that is a really good uh, film adaptation to watch. I love that. I just want to throw out as my classic to make you think mostly because it's Women's History Month and it is we are currently in the the year in the United States the 100th anniversary of women being able to vote so I feel like this is a good book to read now A Room of One's Own by Virginia Woolf which is really Woolf's manifesto about 
women's need, how women ought to be educated, able to vote, but most importantly, financially independent if they are to be the creative, academic people they're capable of being. I love the way this book is written. It's very um, circular and driven by anecdotes and stories. And some readers find that frustrating, but I think what's helpful is knowing that Wolf is doing that intentionally. She claimed that the style of essays that was popular or considered to be good academic writing, which is a very linear style, was part of patriarchal thought. And so she's trying to write in a much more, in her terms, feminine way, which is circular and meandering and hopping from point to point. So if you know that going in, I think it you maybe give her a little bit more credit for the way she writes this. And then in terms of pairings, Rebecca Traster's Good and Mad, which is about women's anger. I think while this is not a comfort read in the sense that it makes you feel great about the world, it really is an empowering book. It makes it made me at least feel like, oh, my feelings, if I channel them in the right direction, I can make a change and my voice matters. And I find that to be kind of a comforting thing. And then also Eloquent Rage by Brittany Cooper. Again, some hard truths in this book, but her style is so wonderful. And she is funny and charming. Definitely recommend listening to both of these, but most importantly, Brittany Cooper's on audio because I think you can hear the humor in her claims a little bit better if you listen rather than read. Such good recommendations. I really love Eloquent Rage by Brittany Cooper. And also she has a really good narrative style where she includes those personal anecdotes in her essays as well. And that's one of my favorite forms of writing, which is pretty true for all of these on this list. Yeah, absolutely. I think we have similar nonfiction tastes. (laughs) Definitely. One last comfort watching recommendation that I would like to throw out is we mentioned this on Instagram but in case you missed it they are streaming Emma to rent and so you can watch the new Emma version in case you didn't make it out to the theater in time I believe it's it's on a lot of different apps but the one that's on my tv that's most easily accessible is Amazon Prime it is it's a little pricey. It's $19.99, but I also understand that the cost of movie tickets would typically be at least that for two people to go see it. So, you know, if you are trying to save a little bit of money for a special um, quarantine date night, that would be a good one to pick out and watch. And I mean, I personally find that it's worth the price of admission, but I really loved the adaptation so much. Oh, totally. I can't wait to watch it again. All right. So we gave a lot of recommendations for a lot of different moods and a lot of different types of readers. So listeners, I hope that you find something that you love and something that is comforting or absorbing or just exactly what you need for right now. We'll have all of these titles in show notes for you to check out. And we also have them linked 
to bookshop.org, which we highly recommend purchasing your books through them because all of that money goes to independent bookstores. And I think it's really important that we support our indies at this time. So bookshop.org is a great way to support your independent bookstores, especially if you don't have one that's local. Of course, if you have a local bookstore that you can use and they're still doing orders, by all means, check out what they have for you. For more classic lit enthusiasm and podcast news, you can follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Novel Pairings Pod. We'd love to know whether you pick up any of the books that we mentioned today, so feel free to tag us and tell your friends about the Novel Pairings Podcast by writing a review on Apple Podcasts or sharing our most recent episode on social media. We declare, after all, there is no enjoyment like reading. How soon one tires of anything than of a book. We'll be back on March 30th with an episode on feminist and gender studies, and on April 7th with our episode on Kazuo Ishiguro's The Remains of the Day. 